You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC, joined here, uh, as always, with Chris Knight, our lead pastor, Angie Brenneman, our family ministry pastor, and, and hi, it's me, it's Joel, in case you wondered. Back here with you again. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we continue on in our serious uh, discussion, uh, We is Greater Than Me, and uh, as we heard this past Sunday, everyone, um, really focusing on the power of unity and togetherness. And so we're going to just do a deeper dive and conversation around that idea. So Chris, as always, you get to kick us off. I am ready, Joel. Okay. So this uh, this series is going to take a little turn. Uh, this concept of we is greater than me. Uh, there's a motto that we have in the United States. Uh, it's on our dollar. It's on our seal. It's uh, E Pluribus Unum. You nailed it, Chris. Thank you. I've been working on that all day. A Latin scholar over here for <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's exactly. Uh, you know, and a lot of people, we see it. We don't always remember what it means. The definition, the common definition of it is out of many, one. Out of many, one. So today I want to talk about unity. And, and I just spoke on this on Sunday, this idea of we is greater than me. It really requires us to understand what unity looks like. I, I, I chuckle and I want to cry at the same time, when I think of the fact that we are known as the United States of America. Mm. I love mm. our nation. I love our nation. I'm patriotic. I love what we stand for. I love the freedoms that we have. So lest anybody think that I'm knocking our nation, I am not. I'm a fan of the United States. I'm grateful for living here. However, it's oxymoronic to think that we are united because if anything, there's so much division today. There's a lot of division in the world. What do you guys see when you think of this idea of division in the world? Do you agree with me? Well, I'm fresh off of coming back from uh, spending a few days in Portland, Oregon, which is apparently very different uh, than uh, Elk, Elk, yeah, Walkerus, <laughs> Indiana, Elkhart County. Um, reminded of again, that there are whole populations of people that see things very, very differently, and there are still, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, remnants and reminders in that city of uh, a very ununited uh, activity back you know, when there were uh, riots and, and demonstrations and all of these sort of things. So, uh, yes, I in my mind, in my mind's eye, I have, it's, I have like physical examples of the windows missing and the, you know, the, the burn marks here and there and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, man, I hear you. Yes. Well, even in the last weeks, I've been reminded because I don't know if you guys know this, but we've had three uh, two-hour delays in a in a row um, in our area. So our children, it's kind of interrupted our lives. But every time I get a text message from my school, it has two languages in it. And that's something that has started in the last couple of years. And I don't think we realize that even in our little community here, that there is diversity, there's, you know, right. ways of communication that aren't the same. Yep, absolutely. It's been really interesting when I sit in the, the garage coffee shop up here in downtown Wakarusa. You ought to stop by there sometime. Uh, it's a good place. Uh, I like to hang out there in the morning. And the last few mornings, there's like been hardly anybody there. 
And it's been, because I don't have yeah. children in school anymore, I'm not getting those messages. Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> did, the, did the rapture happen? No, and just, it's just me and the baristas. I mean, left. three just, in a row is like a record. It's <laughs> just yeah, it's a little it's a little foggy. Yeah, yeah. it's disruptive. Yeah. Now, so obviously, I mean, you can turn on the nightly news. Uh, you can read the paper, pick up any paper, and you are going to find division. You're going to find division of of thought. Uh, division uh, of policy, if you're coming to politics, uh, division of all kinds of different things, uh, disagreements in the sports world on what should happen, all kinds of disagreements. Uh, problem is, uh, the church, which is called to be united around the common cause, is also facing a lot of division these days. Uh, I, I'm going to make the assumption you guys also see the amount of division that's taking place in churches today. To me, it's never what the Lord intended. Uh, I think he called his bride, his followers, to work together. Seems to me like uh, whether it's in denominations or networks or, or whatever we're seeing in local congregations, uh, regional congregations, what we're seeing is just more and more division. Uh, I don't like this. I don't like this about you. I'm going to go start my own group. And we have so many segments of the faith uh, that it really it really makes me ask the question: What what happened to unity of the followers of Christ? What well, does that I, look like? I think our culture does it to us naturally because they segment us all out by age and by demographic and um, all of that. And so I think sometimes we do it. We are participating in this whole idea without even knowing it because it's just natural for us to be unified with the people that we think just are just like us that think like us but that's not actually true unity right there's sort of a it's so interesting now with in the day and age in which we are with the way we are marketed to and, and sold to and all of that right that there are artificial categories of of togetherness or right or yeah. identity and we're having and quite honestly we're having more conversations about the broad spectrum of identity that word today itself is even loaded and so when we tried to have this body of Christ conversation, it's in, increasingly important. We have to go back to it. I feel like we have to relearn it, revisit it again, and get it within ourselves. Uh, but because apart from it, we just see ourselves as uh, as separate individuals that occasionally maybe find a way to agree on something. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. And I even think in our um, way of living life, it's we're taking care of ourselves. We make sure we're okay. But in this whole idea of living together as a body of Christ means in the early church, grandpa and grandma, little toddler, niece or nephew, sometimes all living under the same roof, serving each other, living in unity and in um, purpose together. And so I think we, we even don't do this in our homes as naturally as the early church did. Absolutely. So it, it's interesting. You know those those shows, those movies about time machines and so on. Uh, it, it, for the listener today, here, here's a little interesting tangent from most of our shows. Joel's operating on about one hour of sleep on a flight home from Portland. I'm operating on <laughs> limited sleep. Angie's just wired. She's, I already had too much coffee. I was okay, so see, there we go. She's getting it. We have strict <laughs> so, rules. Here's the deal. We've, we've fallen asleep on the job. We have strict rules about Angie's <laughs> coffee consumption here, but she's clearly just she's going for it. So. I just thought about it. As here I am talking about time machines. So here, here's the interesting thing, though. Have you ever thought about, like, if if you could bring, like, the Apostle Paul back in a time machine and oh, drop wow. him into 2022, and he would walk around and be like, first of all, like, what in the world is happening <laughs> sure. in this world? But what would he say about the church? 
What would he write to the church today? Mm. Uh, I think there would be some strong words. I'm not sure that he would have a whole lot of things to say. Hey, y'all, you're doing so good in this area. So just, it's it's worthy of us, in my opinion, uh, pausing as a congregation, even in this podcast, to talk about what in the world unity looks like. I think there has to be this urgent plea for followers of Jesus to figure this out, to... Stop letting the world govern our unity and di- di- dictate what we should be unified around and allow the Word of God to dictate the things of unity in our life and how we go about doing that. Right, and even um, not only just defining what it is, what it looks like, because I think the society wants to tell us what this looks like, and the Bible tells us oftentimes so different from our culture. And Paul, he he's um, calling us not to be this uh, setback and just kind of not be involved in unity. Because a lot of times people say, "Well, if I don't uh, make any waves, I'm in unity." Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. that's a <laughs> that's, word. That is 100%. not what uh, Apostle Paul was about. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and that's a, and that's a struggle with our with our local community here. There, that's sort of in the water a little bit. That we're unified as long as we're not fighting with you know overtly fighting with each other. Even and it's like no, 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 no that's no, not no, unity. No. Yeah, that's not that's not unity. That's toler. That's like tolerating each other at be, at best. Right. And 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 to be clear though, we also live in a very passive aggressive. Yeah, part of the country. Yeah, I think that's a. I don't. I don't mean that as a knock for the listener saying like, "What? What are you talking about?" I think it's just a reality. Yeah, uh, we would rather not deal with things, so we would rather talk behind backs about what reality is um, and use and use the Christian F word. No, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, things are fine. It's fine. You should have seen Andy, Andy Angie's face <laughs> when I said Christian F word. See, so here's, I was worried about it. I already yeah, did so, it last time. I knew, I knew you were a little. I knew where you were going. All kinds of all kinds of language on this show. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. Uh, I, I made several points on Sunday. One is unif- uh, unity is not uniformity. Mm. And I think that's important for us to grasp hold of. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Just uh, I think it's worth reading here. Therefore, I, a prisoner uh, for serving the Lord, beg. Another way to say it is urge. I urge you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called out by God. And it says this then in verse 2, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. The context to this is important because I feel like we're saying to each other, we believe, well, as long as um, they're easy to get along with, I can be patient. As long as they're easy to get along with, I'll be gentle. As long as we always agree on things, I'll be humble. Because of all of that, uh, I think we have to stop and realize what that what the church he was actually writing to, if we go back into the book of Acts, we realize that this was a diverse church. This church, this church had Jewish culture in it. This church had uh, Gentile culture in it. There was diversity of thought. There was diversity of culture. And he's saying to them, listen, be patient with each other. Be humble. Be gentle. Uh, forbear or bear with each other. And I think that's really important because he's saying it to a group that has natural tendencies to have division within them. Uh, I think we look around and go, as long as we can always agree on things, I'll be humble. As long as we can always agree, I'll be gentle. Uh, yeah. I'll be patient. I'll be forbearing. But if it gets too much, then my goodness, no, we're not going to be alike on that. And that's where I think unity doesn't equal cookie cutter or uniformity. Yeah, the, until until we're really pressed— 
with with hardship and with challenge. I mean, that's where we find out actually where how how together we are. I know on our team here at church, when uh, I think for me it, it becomes a sign of of our togetherness when things when things are are challenging or where multiple perspectives can come into play. That's when you really find out when, where the rubber really meets the road. I, I know of so many families that I've that I've worked with where things seem to be going along just fine, but then a hardship came into into life, and it was a clarifying moment because the the assumed unity that was there was only there because of a lack of it, of that unity being challenged. And when that when that unity isn't challenged over time. Uh, people just, we, as we all do, we, we slide into this sort of neutral neutral gear about being together. Uh, the intentionality that Paul talks here about, it's an exercise of unity. It is we have to decide and walk and practice togetherness in so many ways. I, I think the word that we use so flippantly is grace, give grace to each other. And oftentimes, we don't sit in the reality of the grace that was given to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite authors out there is Paul David Tripp. And this is his message of sitting in that grace, knowing that God has redeemed me as a sinner and what that looks like. Man, that sure helps me walk differently with others and the grace that I offer outside of myself because I've been given grace. And we often sit in this idea that, well, just because I think this or I want this or whatever, those are all uh, uh, natural tendencies. And what is our natural state? Anybody want to yeah. say we are actually, our natural state is sin. And so we are automatically driven to what we want, what we believe, what we think is right. And so unity isn't in our nature. It's right. not in our nature. And so this is where I think God comes in and we have to remember that that grace that is offered to us because of him, we can offer it to others. And this isn't something we can actually control ourselves and do ourselves. It's the whole idea of having the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and us living through that fruit of the Spirit in our lives out to others. Yeah, we. It's uh, you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be gracious today. I'm, I'm going to. I'm just gonna, I try. I'm just going to do it, right? <laughs> you can't. There's you a, can't. There's a there's a there's a practice uh, to it. Willard used this. Uh, Dallas Willard used this great term. He just said he said sometimes we think about grace only being um, only being needed or extended to people who are not in Christ, right? Like like mm-hmm. because of God's because of God's grace. He said no. He goes. It's the believer too. It's the follower of Jesus that you his great. Uh, he goes, I'm trying to remember how he says it exactly. It's the believer as well uses grace and, and even more so. In fact, the believer burns grace like jet fuel and like lives, lives into that, uh, that fully. And if we, if we could start together as, as communities, as followers of Jesus, like burning burning grace like jet fuel together or whatever like our society is going to look different 100 i believe this so much that we it's this whole word that we we've how many times have we mentioned the word abide Mm -hmm. because abiding is the key because when we truly abide what will flow out of us the spirits work and then our doing is actually out of our being 
it can never be switched. Our doing cannot be out of our being. We have, we have to be doing out of our being in Christ, being yep. in, rooted deeply in his grace and his mercy. So then what, Chris, as we're talking, you know, we look at this call to unity and what, you know, what Paul has been saying in, in Ephesians. And then you, cause you, you went on and you talked about Ephesians four, four through six, um, kind of setting up. Well, really as, as Paul talks about the, the unity of Christians, but he looks, he looks to the spirit of God, like where, like where that, where the source is and where it actually comes from. Absolutely. I think it's really important to understand the context behind how he writes this or the structure behind how he writes this. He starts with the idea of, hey, be humble, be gentle, be patient, uh, make allowances for each other. Uh, and he goes on in verse three. And But if you jump over to, to verse four, he then really starts to tell the why. Why should we do this? And this is why I think it's important for Christians to, um, if they're going to be unified, they have to have a union with Christ, because if Christ is the center of that, then that really dictates how we go ahead and, and interact with each other. And so, for example, it says in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 4, for there's one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope in the future and for the future. Uh, there uh, is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. I mean, you, uh, that's a very complete picture, isn't it? Overall, in all, above all, 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 all. all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really pretty accurate. When he starts to talk about unity, and then he points it back to Christ, he talks about the fact that there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And I think that's critical. I I think he's sitting here and he's shifting the focus from what divides us to the relationship that we have with Christ, and that has to be the center of our focus. are we unified in Christ? It, uh, I want to come back to this topic just a little bit. I, I, I often joke, I, I, I think that we are in for a surprise when we get to heaven. That's just my take. I think that there's, uh, there's going to be some who are going to say, wow. I, honestly, deep down, didn't think they were going to be there. I mean, am I the only one that feels that way? Uh, the other is, there's, I, don't, I often say this, I don't think there's going to be subdivisions in heaven where it's like, okay, the missionary church people get to hang out over here, Baptists to the right, yeah. uh, missionary to the left, you know, yeah. and, and, and this idea of unity uh, is, is surrounding Christ. Why should we not bring a little heaven to earth, oh, right, Lord. and start mm. acting like what it's going to be like in our eternity? Well, and, and in the world, there's plenty of divisions uh, in, the, in the world. One of the greatest gifts that the church can give the world is a vision for, for unity around a heavenly Father that has that has made it possible for us to do that, in spite of all of our differences, in spite of uh, the different backgrounds that we that we come with. Like our true unity in Christ is a witness to the world. Like like it, that is a unique and special gift that we offer if we live into it. Unfortunately, as we as we've said, it's just that that is something that we're really struggling at. Uh, in terms of as the church goes uh, right now. And so we, we've got ground to take. 
So you used a phrase that was important, in Christ, our unity in Christ. And I think it's it's significant that Paul uses this in his writings over 160 times. He's telling people, listen, in Christ, not in your local church, just only that. In Christ, you are this. And that's that's a universal, and I'm not trying to talk about universal list theology, but that is a universal truth. Followers of Jesus, people who have committed their life to Christ, in Christ there is unity. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And I think we've talked a lot about how in this, our personal walk with Jesus has such impact on the people around us, on our corporate spirituality, that when we, as each of us, are rooted in Christ, it's going to be a natural outflow that our corporate, when we come together, our body is going to be healthy. We all have a job to do. It's, Paul lists all the different things in Ephesians. We all have a part to make the body whole and that we're all working together healthy, And but that each one of us has to be healthy in Christ. And I think that puts a little bit of personal responsibility on us in this whole uh, universal idea of everyone coming together. So ultimately, then the question becomes, and I talked about this on Sunday. So how do you unleash unity? Uh, really, how do we how do we get this? Well, I think we have to start going back to what he says earlier, and that is, how do we model humility? Uh, how do we model gentleness? How do we model patience? How do we model bearing with one another mm. uh, in our society today and in our church world? Uh, when we turn our attention to how am I living? a life that has humility in Christ? How am I living a life that is patient, forbearing, gentle? If my focus is on that, then if others' focuses are also on that, the me's, then together as we, we ought to have an impact in this world. Because we're thinking through, how do I react to this circumstance? How do I react when somebody did this to me, when somebody said this to me, when my political party faces this? How do I react when my workplace says this is important? How do I react? And I think it's that gentleness and that humility and that patience and that forbearance. If we looked more like little Christs, Christians, pointing to the Father, I think our world would look different when it comes to this idea of unity. You've got to put yourself in the places where these things are going to be challenged. That is the, that's the truth of it. I'm like, how, so just functionally speaking, what, what practices do we put into our life? Like in the issue of, in in the issue of humility, of humility, like how do you know if you're walking humbly with the Lord? Like how, how do you, how do you really know? By the way, humility, I think is a, it's a tricky one, right? Because the moment that you say that you are, you're not, you know, like it, there's, there's a, there is a, a challenge to it. Um, and yet so many of these things, and, and I'm, and again, I'm fresh off of spending three days in, uh, in Portland, Oregon with a bunch of other faith leaders thinking through this exact thing of, of the practices and the rhythms that we have to have into our life regularly that, that facilitate these postures. Cause you, again, you can't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be humble today. Like there, you have to put yourself in a rhythm of life that challenges your own pride. Um, which who wants to do that? Right. 
And so uh, I think it's a further conversation that we can have later about, I think so much of the unity that we could experience together as the body of Christ requires us to be in these, to enter into rhythms of grace in our life and practices and postures of those, of those things that when, when the challenge to our unity comes and hit, like sometimes just hits, slaps us right across the face, our natural, the natural inclination of our heart becomes this, this humble response becomes this gentle uh, response, which, which will not come to us naturally um, if we just try to sum it up, sum, you know, sum it, to do in the it. Moment, we cannot right? do it. That's the whole right. idea. Our doing has to come from our being. It unfortunately took me 20 years to get this in relationships. And, you know, I mean, I can, I can totally confess right now that when Dan and I entered ministry 20 years ago, that I didn't know what true unity was. Mm. I didn't know that it was actually offering up myself first in wow. sacrifice That's to so a deep. relationship than it was just accepting the other person who they are. And putting up and just putting up, like merely yeah. putting up with them. Yeah. No, it's not. You actually offer yourself up to God as a vessel empty, allowing him to guide you in that relationship. Because, yeah, I have presuppositions or expectations of people. And unfortunately, unity, you don't get that chance yeah. to have <laughs> yeah. Yeah. expectations on people. Yeah, I will, We will have unity as soon as you live up to, to what I think you need to, to be. my idea. Yeah. My and idea of that you, is which is where not you. I think yeah. the church has gone so wrong. I mean, that's why we have pastors, you know, saying, I don't want to do this anymore because everybody expects this or everybody wants this. And why marriages are failing, why kids are disobeying or just all this stuff. It's, we haven't been the vessel that we need to be. And, be in Christ. And that's where it starts. And I guess maybe I have um, a little soapbox today to stand on. And I'm so, I'm sorry. No, you got, no, that's, that's a, that's a <laughs> and thing it took to me passionate. 20, like, like and I'm saying that when I say this, this is the whole journey of spiritual formation, which we said you're either in formation towards Christ or you're in deformation. Yep. And if you, the, the closer you get to who Christ is, the more you're going to get this whole idea of unity and it doesn't come overnight. Yeah. That's yeah. the spirit that's work in your life. Hundred, hundred percent, and and we've said it on this. I'm more than just keep on saying it. There is no neutral in the spiritual life. There is there is zero neutral. There's formation, like Angie said. There's deformate there, and there's deformation. And by the way, apart from formation into Christ, apart from unity into Christ, here's here's what the other option is: uh, intentional disunity. That that is that is the direction of that, our culture. Of our it's, culture, it's where our culture is going. It's what 100%. you see on the news. It's what you hear. For all the talk, all the talk outside of the Christian church about about unity and togetherness, like there there is more judgmentalism. There is there is more disunity in those places than than ever. So, like that's a like don't live that lie. Don't 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 believe that unity and togetherness and purposefulness and all that can be found outside of a relationship with the one who has been. We and we, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Like for those of us uh, Christians who are affirming the you know the historically orthodox uh, doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know if we've ever if we often think about this, but we serve a God who is intentionally been unified unto himself. We are created in a God 
who and those three persons are united together, have been in eternal communion with one with one another. We is greater than me. Yeah. Yes. And the so whole and so that's where that's where we come from. That's what we are created. What we are created into. You want to try to lean into other other powers of unity, other other places. You will be left wanting, and and instead, here we are with. Uh, you know, Jesus's prayer for his disciples as he's about ready to leave them, uh, John 17, that high priestly prayer, you know, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. That's not a pie in the sky. That's not a pie in the sky idea. That is a, that is a call to the intention of God for, for his disciples to be together in a very meaningful, very relational way that connects them to their creation, connects them to how they're, how they were meant, uh, meant to function. So we have, we have the resources, friends. It's just really a question of if we're going to plug if we're going to plug into them. I I think that's if the way. If we're going to be a church that has a whole bunch of little Christ walking around on the streets, guess what? We're going to be unified. We're going to grow the church. God wants to grow the church through His little Christ that are walking around, influencing people, like you said, meeting people, training people, and getting and leading them to meet people. <laughs> There's a headline today, and and I don't recall where I read it. It might have been L.A. Times. It might have been Wall Street Journal. I, I don't remember where I read it. But the headline was this, uh, by 2070, uh, Christianity will be not the majority in the United States any longer, according to researchers, to the best of their ability to tell. Frankly, I think 2070 is a ways down the road. I, I think it would probably be earlier than that. More, but, more opti- yeah, So funny that that newspaper would be yeah, more optimistic. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it, it, Because those who relate or identify themselves as Christian— because I think it's becoming less and less appealing when people look at the church and see all the arguing that goes on. And they're saying, Boy, I thought you, I thought you were a place that was pointing to hope. I don't see a lot of hope there. So I think there has to be something that changes. Here's the reality. We are the message. We're the message. How we live in grace, humility, patience with others, forbearing with each other, while still pointing to Jesus Christ who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, the hope for our world, whether people know it yet or do not know it yet. How we go about doing that is critical. Uh, In Elkhart County, there are roughly 320 churches in our county. That means if every church was open on Sunday, that's 52 messages, sermons, that are being preached on a Sunday or 16,640 sermons given in a year. Here's what I know. Showing up to church, listening to a sermon, one of the 16,640 sermons that take place in somewhat evangelical churches in our county isn't changing our county. What changes our county? It's when we realize that we are greater than me. And that means we are the message. It's just not it's just not three hundred and twenty pastors in Elkhart County. We followers of Jesus are the message and we need to start learning how to live in unity with each other. You know, Chris, I think of the great joy and experience that we that you and I have had and and, and others uh, joining together and, and working with other churches in this in the in our community and with other with other faith leaders. Um when that when that happens and when I see that, it gives me such immense hope for what for what can for what can be, and uh, and, and so that's true at a church leadership level. It's also true at our individual lives as believers, linking arms with each other, um, walking together in faith. And uh, if you haven't, I guess I would just say maybe as a challenge to the listener, if 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 you haven't kind of uh, 
flexed the unity muscle, uh, worked that out a little bit when and having to to reach across to, uh, reach across to maybe a social divide of some sort or or a, a person that you're like, man, I think. You know, I know this person's a follower of Jesus, but like, I'm not really, I'm, I don't really talk to him. I, you know, I run into him all the time, but it's not something that I, uh, it's not a relationship that I've intentionally invested in or, or tried to, tried to make happen. You know, that would be my, that would be my challenge. You know, I, we're, we are so much better together. We really are. And that is, I, I really believe, I mean, God smiles when he sees his people come together for the purpose of, of honoring him, of giving him glory and of, of making him known. Um, and so give it a shot. Yeah. Step out, see what happens. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything yeah. and everyone. And I think yep. that's the part where we get stuck on. Well, I have to be like this. Well, if uh, the Jews and the Gentiles agreed on everything, I'd just go back and look into oh the goodness. differences there. There would be no you and I here yeah. in this. If the, if right. that, that is that is and Angie historically that is such a great point. Like it, it you might as well have been shooting for the moon back in the day to get those two groups of people to come together in the together. same room. In oh the same my room. gosh! You think we might like? I I'm not a huge fan of certain types of food. Could you even imagine what the <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. Jews and the Gentiles yeah, right. had a deal with just the simple thing 100%. of food? Yep. And I don't think like food is supposed to be around the dinner table. <laughs> the Gentiles and- like mm, bacon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. What? No. Right. Hang on a second. Like those those are. Oh my! Oh this my goodness! This is so big, and I just yeah. think we can't. Yeah. We have so little. Yeah, in that comparison. we're fighting about. Yeah, that if you they, put if you put that 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 challenge up against some of the challenges that we're facing in church today, I go, I go, man, y'all, we got it, we got it easy. We've got we've got things that we can we can walk through, and I know I know there are big ticket. You know, there are big ticket items. Chris and Chris takes. Uh, I'll I'll just out him. Chris takes some flack every once in a while for like not not going hard and heavy about speaking out against one particular issue or whatever. It's not that we don't have convictions about those things. It's that we are trying to focus on a unity in Christ that is that is centered on him and not get distracted by secondary or or tertiary issues. And it's so part of it is a discernment of deciding what is central and what is the most important thing. But, you know, that, being the main thing. And, and that is mostly true. I, I think I think there is times still that I do um, prefer more of a relational approach, and that's more one-on-one with somebody who is struggling yep. in an area yep. that I do have uh, convictions upon. Uh, and having those conversations, but having them in love, I think sometimes people just want to see you spank somebody yeah, from yeah. the stage. And well, right. right. That's not what we, if you want to yeah. go back to a podcast maybe last year, yeah. that you go to the person first. We kind of like dealt with this well, already in a podcast. In the, well, the assumption is anymore, <laughs> yeah. anymore, like that you can just, fo- again, force unity on people by yelling at them in a... In a Conform. In a, yeah, conform yeah. in a big in a in a certain venue, make make that pulpit do its job, and you know, and uh, and get the word out there through kind of through a, a forced a forced sort of thing. Um, as with everything that we're always talking about, there's a there's a heavy relational discipleship component to all of this that we want to we want to pay attention to. Because we know to. how good that works with our own children. Yeah, there you are. Let right. alone in yeah, a, right. a corporate right. body of Christ. Right, right. You guys, I'm grateful for all the people who do take time to tune into this. I, I encourage you to share the podcast with different people. This is this is important. Uh, Joel, I have said everything I need to say. Great. I think on this episode, I think you and I need to grab a cup of coffee and we oh. need to keep Angie away. That's, uh, wow. <laughs> From what? the coffee pot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
you you've probably if you hit your limit today are you done no yeah i am not drinking any more okay coffee today. bless you thank you for that commitment we, we i didn't we think i was it. that bad today so sorry listener, no you're if you no felt that it was... you're, you're great as always <laughs> we appreciate it hey everybody thanks for uh tuning in with us for another episode look forward to uh hitting you up next tuesday as uh we continue to release these episodes uh, each and every week um would love your feedback uh, if you haven't done so already, you can uh, follow us, like us, share us. Just go ahead and share. Sharing is caring, as we say. So, uh, guys, uh, thanks again. And until next time, we wish you grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C dot org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.